This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Brands get into a lot of these concepts, mission statements and vision statements and purpose statements and core values and, and brand tenants and, you know, and, and they all want to define them and and you have so many things that you can't remember. Is that a mission statement or a purpose statement? Or is that my vision? Or wait, what are my core? So I, I think the key with all this is I keep it super, super simple. This was Jeff Platt. And this is indeed a strange episode to air during strange times. I recorded my session with Jeff on March 2nd, where life was still relatively normal. Fast forward to today, March 20th, when I record this introduction from my home studio, which literally is a studio apartment adjacent to our home, far from an actual recording studio. And Skyzone, Chef's indoor trampoline brand with over 140 locations worldwide, came to a complete standstill. Today, all US and Canada locations are closed due to the coronavirus. Just another example of how every entrepreneur today is faced with an unprecedented challenge. It is bittersweet to listen to Chef knowing how his brand is now struggling. But I urge you to listen to his wisdom and to add it to your list of to-dos to visit one of his indoor trampoline experiences when we are allowed to do so. As I am certain his brand will come out okay on the other side. I too had to make adjustments to some of my consultancy's processes. Just last week, I was giving brand workshops in Europe. Now I am stranded in my home office. One thing will not change. Hitting the mark will keep coming your way to inspire you to come out of this on the other side as a brand that is ready to kick serious butt, while assisting you as you navigate this important time where every brand will be exposed to share their human side, to actually walk all that brand talk. If you need assistance, I have waived the monthly fees to my mentorship communities for the next two months. You will get free mentorship on monthly group calls from yours truly, joined by an engaged community of entrepreneurs or creatives from across the globe. You can pick from one of two groups, the Creative Entrepreneur Mentorship Circle, which is for freelancers and small design studio owners who want to run better businesses with an eye on brand strategy. Or join the Startup Entrepreneur Mentorship Circle for startup founders seeking expert guidance with building their brand. Just go to patreon.com slash hitting the mark and join us free of charge during these unprecedented times. One side note, since my platform, Patreon, does not allow me to have a zero-dollar campaign or waive my membership fees, here is the only way I will make this happen. You actually have to sign up and you will be charged April 1st and May 1st, but I will refund you the day after, guaranteed. And of course, cancel before end of May and you will leave the group at zero cost. I'll also remind you on the May call to do so. All right, that was an unusually lengthy introduction, but we do live in unusual times. Without further ado, here is Chef Platt 
who has been serving as the CEO of SkyZone since 2011 and has led the effort to expand SkyZone into five countries. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So I usually only have founders and co-founders on hitting the mark and your company SkyZone, which a lot of people listening um, know very well, it was technically founded by your dad, but it was you who actually came in and pivoted it. And, and, and you are now considered a, a co-founder at this point because you really made the company what it is today. Tell us a little bit about that pivotal moment of, of what actually happened when, when you came in or what you realized. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got to give my dad credit. He uh, he is sort of the visionary behind it. He was the one who founded the business, and uh, I was lucky enough for him to bring me involved and get me involved, and um, you know, in a way, listen to sort of uh, directionally where I wanted to take the business. And um, but he he by all means is sort of the real the real founder, if you will. Um, but when we we first started the business as a professional sport, um, which was kind of a crazy idea at the time, and uh, we decided to pivot the business into what it is today. And, and really, it's, it's, it's nothing that he should take credit for or I should take credit for. It really came from listening to our customer at the time, which were some neighborhood kids who, who wanted to just come in and play. They, they saw our R&D center that we had in Las Vegas. They peeked their head in the door because there was an indoor skate park next door to us. And so these kids were constantly coming to the center and they'd look through the windows and they used to bang on the doors and just ask my dad, can we come in here and, and jump around? <laughs> and, uh, and he'd let them. And then one day, you know, instead of training athletes to launch the sport that was going to be played on trampolines, you know, the decision was made to start charging them money to just jump around and play. And, and so, um, so we did. And then the business sort of took off from there. We opened a couple locations and, um, you know, I, I approached him one day and said, let's start franchising our business. And, uh, uh, 2009, 2010, we began to, uh, franchise and that's when growth really started to take off. Have there been any companies at that point that did something similar when, when, when you guys decided, Hey, let's, let's have these kids come in and let's just start charging for it. Yeah, it was, it was that simple. Um, and you know, I think in in business in general, it's super important to listen to your customers. Yeah. And uh, in our world, we call them guests. And so um, we've learned a lot from them over the years. And when I think back at really how this whole thing started, it was it was listening to these neighborhood kids. <laughs> That's so great. I'm so 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 I'm a brand consultant, and the beauty of my job is that I come into companies as the outsider looking in, which makes it so much easier to see what is actually going on and what brand wisdoms and values deserve to be uncovered. You were the undercover boss in the season finale of the show by the same name. Now, I have a good amount of former Shark Tank contestants on Hitting the Mark, but you are only the second undercover boss. Um, I had Shelly Sun of Bright Star, which is also an amazing franchise, um, on, on the show prior, and she was an undercover boss as well. How was that experience, and what did it teach you about your brand that you did not know before? It was a, so it's a pretty incredible experience. It was, I like to say, it was probably the most exhausting ten days of work I've ever had. <laughs> between traveling every day, and you know, you're up early, and you're you're working late, and that wasn't the issue. The issue is is that there's a camera in your face, twenty four mm -hmm. hours a day, pretty much, and so you really have to watch what you're saying because you, <laughs> you have no editing rights, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sort of put on that show what they want to put on, and you're also lying all day long about who you are. And you're pretending to be someone you're not. And that is 
that is exhausting. <laughs> you know, so, so you really have to watch everything you say. And um, you know, those were grueling days. But I, I think one of the thing, and it's interesting because it doesn't get talked about a lot around that show. One of the things that was so interesting for me is when you have a title as president or CEO or co-founder, whatever it may be, when you have a big title, you don't get to talk to people the same way as if you were just a friend of theirs or, or maybe uh, you know, just a director level or a manager level. Or, uh, but when you have that title, people, they look at you differently and they talk at you differently. And, and it's unfortunate, but it's just, it's just you know, people can sometimes be intimidated by the role. And I try and go out of my way to be very approachable, but you don't get to share the stories that you do with someone um, when you're the CEO or the president. And that that show, because I'm just a you know a contestant on a show, a made up show that of course they don't know it's made <laughs> up. But I was able to engage and talk with with our frontline team in a way that I would not have been able to um, if I wasn't you know this fake character, right? And so you know I was able to to learn from them, engage with them, and frankly just get to know some people that I would have never gotten to know if it wasn't for that experience and. I think one of the things that made me realize is really like the incredible diverse team that we have around the country and these stories of these team members and what they've been through and, and the role that Skyzone has played in their life, you know, mainly good, thankfully, in, in helping them and setting their careers off and, and learning and development for them. And, you know, it, it was, that was the most, and, and I guess in, in a certain, in a selfish way, it was, it gave me a lot of pride and a lot of enthusiasm and really a lot of energy around continuing to grow the brand to say, how can we create more stories like these individuals? And so, I mean, it was, it was really a, a humbling and rewarding experience all around. That is really, really great to hear because, you know, very often with those shows, it's all about drama. And like you said, you have to be at your very, very, very best behavior. <laughs> you know? But mm -hmm. um, but that idea where, where a founder, you know, a president, the CEO, um, can it's easier for you to suddenly take over a customer service line and listen to what people actually have to say on the other line. But it's really hard to do that with, you know, internally, especially if you, if you have franchises. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I don't know how many locations you have i think the last i checked it's like 210 or so locations and i'm sure it's been growing right um yep. it's it's really really difficult to to tap into that so i totally get it how that must have been an amazing experience um and to be kind of like just high-fiving with those people that usually would like stare at you when you walk into the room <laughs> exactly yeah and not want to speak to you or you know yeah and and so i, I think and it's it's interesting because it doesn't get talked about enough around that show just that you can engage in a totally different way because you know, you're just seen as another person to them. And unfortunately, when you, again, when you put a title on yourself, you know, you, you automatically have some sort of stigma attached to you or stereotype, if you will, because, you know, you're the boss, quote unquote. Totally. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and a typical Sky Zone uh, location hosts about a thousand guests a day, according to Wikipedia. And you have expanded um, through, through the franchising model. And I had um, one 800 gut chunk founder, Brian Scudamore, on the show, which sadly only resulted in a transcribed interview due to technical difficulties that day. That was like one of my first episodes, and he was kind enough to be on it. Um, but but he's, a, he's obviously a very well-respected entrepreneur in the franchising world. And it was interesting to hear him answer this question. So I'll ask you the very same question because you are deep inside the franchising world. 
What were some of the key steps that you had to go through to create a platform of brand rules and guidelines to empower franchise owners rather than solely restrict them, right? Um, you know, so, so, so that it's still true to the brand and they have, they have rules to follow, but it still feels like they've got a say in their own location and they, and they can kind of like, you know, um, shape something and be a co-creator. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question and it's, it's always a tough balance um, in franchising. And oh, I'm sure. We tend, to use this, we, we tend to use this saying a lot that we want to give freedom within a framework because um, I, you know, I, I firmly believe and it's, 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 it's my leadership style that you've got to give your team or people you work with freedom. And um, if you give them enough freedom, then that's where real creativity and innovation can happen and um, you know, allow them to try things and allow them to fail. I, I, I really, you know, it's, it's, it's talked about a lot in business and I, I wholeheartedly believe it. And I think it's the same with franchise owners. You've got to give them a certain amount of freedom because some of the best innovation comes from them. Um, but it's got to be within a framework and, right. and um, you got to have some guardrails around it. So how the magic of enough freedom, but a you know, framework that is wide enough to, to truly let them try things, but not, not so wide that they go outside the boundaries. And I, I think, I think like anything, the, the key is making sure they're involved in the process. And so, you know, from the time we did our first real sort of branding exercise, hired the third party consultant, brought them in, you know, really gave ourselves a look, a feel, talked about what our brand is. Um, you know, we, we did those exercises. God, this is dating back. I think the first time, maybe six or seven, well, we, the first time we did it was 10 or 11 years ago, but I'd say the first time we did it in a real methodical way with a professional was seven years ago. And, and we had franchise owners sitting in that room with us and, oh, and the senior leadership team of, uh, of the team. And, and they were sitting in there with us going through the exercises and, and doing all of it sort of A to Z with us. And every time that we've done some form of refresh, they've been along the journey with us. Not all of them because you, you know, you can't have 120 franchise owners sitting in a room with you, but, but you know, you, you find a couple who are passionate about branding and know it and, and you invite them and you make them part of the process. And, uh, uh, so make them part of a process so they feel like it's theirs and then define that framework, make sure it's got enough sort of freedom within it for them to, to make it their own, but, but also make sure it's still us this guys yeah consistency right because that's that's yeah. kind of like the lifeline of, of, of any brand especially a franchise yeah. very very cool the way that you do that um i i think that's uh that's very smart how do you deal with core values um because i mean core values are so important to to any company but you're i mean you're across continents right i mean you're you know sky zone is not only in 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 the u.s um you're, you're global at this point how, how do those core values translate how do you deal with that yeah, you know, fortunately for us, we kept ours pretty simple, and they, they so they do translate across countries. They're not overly complex, and and actually, for the first time, um, this has been going on for about a year or so. We're actually looking at uh, making some updates to those. And core values are not things that you know should be a flavor of the year. You know that you, you change often at all, um, but we're actually looking at. Uh, doing a bit of a refresh on them because we recently, as you pointed out before we started talking, you know, you saw that we've we've kind of done a little creative refresh on the brand, um, and so we're we're looking across all aspects of our business, core values being a part of it, uh, and looking to do a refresh there too. Um, but you know, I, th I think what's key with 
because brands get into a lot of these concepts, mission statements and vision statements and purpose statements and core values and, <laughs> and brand tenants and, you know, and, and they all want to define them. And, and you have so many things that you can't remember. Is that a mission statement or a purpose statement? Or is that my vision? Or wait, what are my core? So I, I think the key with all this is I keep it super, super simple. Um, and so, you know, I, I think brands tend to, and, you know, you, you probably know this better than I do, overcomplicate all this stuff. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is <laughs> I am I'm so happy to to hear this from uh you know from 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 a founder's um viewpoint because for me it's all about simplifying simplifying simply. I even simplify it so much that at the end of my of, of my branding sessions with uh, with clients we have one word, right? Like it all comes down to that one word and and you and I talked about it a little bit in the in the prep, right? That that's a, a question that's coming up. Um but but yeah, I didn't even do mission and vision statements with my clients because I felt that A, it's two extra statements and B, isn't aren't you on a on a mission to fulfill your vision? Isn't it one statement? Yeah. So now that too many of them asked me after a workshop, they're like, but Fabian, we didn't do a mission statement and a vision statement. I'm like, all right, so now I'm gonna now I'm doing a mission vision statement, which is kind of like a combo plate between the two. Um and uh and, and that ma that just makes it simpler. But I, I agree. I mean if the the more statements, the more the more stuff around your brand, the harder it is to to remember and, and follow any of it. And isn't that the core purpose of all of that? Um You, uh, I believe, you know, uh, you've got some pretty cool little pieces of brand communications, like like small gestures of, of brand delight uh, that that turned into customer favorites. Um, I, I think when when you enter a location, you get a sticker, which I haven't because you know no one invited me to check it out prior to this interview. But whatever, anyway. So so I haven't, but but well, I you heard. You can deal with that. <laughs> No worries, I'm joking. Uh, but but uh, these orange stickers, they they, they kind of turn into um, a recognizable brand element for you, right? Yeah, the orange stickers, and actually even more so than the orange stickers, is our socks. Um, That's right. Have, has that always been around the socks? Is that a, a common? No, the socks. The socks we introduced maybe six years ago or so now. Sometimes I lose track. Sometimes I still think it's like 2018. Um, but the <laughs> socks that we introduced uh, six or seven years ago, and for a very long time, and it, it might still be the case actually, it was the most Instagrammed thing part of our brand. So, you know, it, people would post, you know, images of themselves at our parks and usually it's, it's them and, and they're, the sock is sort of like the hero of the shot um, because it, it's like a badge. You know, it says I'm at Sky Zone or uh, I love Sky Zone because, you know, I've got my socks. Let's talk about the socks for for a second, um, a, a little bit more. So, so did you? Was it intentional that that you that you thought the socks would actually become a brand element, or did you just need the socks for a reason? And afterwards, you just said, "Well, let's color them our brand color." Um. So the the socks. So originally, the socks started for two reasons: one, hygiene, and and the second one is they have a grip on the bottom of them, so it's it's easier for you to kind of grip the trampoline when you're jumping on it. And, and we didn't decide to do the socks. We said, oh, this would be an amazing, you know, brand element. But as, as sort of we started introducing them into our operations, um, and then we made them orange because that was a main color for us, and they really popped, and we noticed people really liked them, uh, we thought, okay, this is, a, this is a great opportunity. It becomes kind of like a badge of honor that, um, you know, you love our brand if you have our socks. And it's one of the things that I always say to, 
people say to me, oh, what do I do? And I say, have you ever heard of SkyZone? And and eight out of 10 times, the first thing someone says to me is, yeah, I have like six pair of your socks. (laughs) That was my next question. Do people steal the (laughs) socks or or do you actually own them afterwards? How does that work? No, no, they own them. They they, they own them. They're all Which makes it so much uh, easier for you, right? Because what are you going to do with them? Oh, yeah. We're we're not going to get into the machine washing business. So, um, uh, (laughs) so, that's that's, um, we, that's what we do. We, 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 we branded them. And, and now, interestingly enough, you know, people bring their socks back because they own them. And so we said, okay, people really love these. Now we need to make them different and let's expand sort of the design and the color of them. And so, um, we've now introduced, God, maybe a dozen different design socks, ankle socks, high socks, camo color, different funky designs. We even post our new designs on our Facebook page, ask people to vote on which ones they want us to roll out. Um, so it's become a big part of our brand now, socks. That is so smart. That's super, super smart. Um, and, you know, I mean, that can grow into all kinds of different directions, right? Um but it's so cool because it's kind of like a merchandise you don't have to buy. You, you, you just get. And, and the idea of anything that's being limited edition or anything that changes, uh, that's what people want to post and that's what people want to own. Um, super, super cool. How do, you, how do you talk to your different customer segments? Because you've got, you've got toddlers and their parents and then you've got, you know, amateurs, like, like you said, just, you know, kids that want to jump around. And I mean, kids of any age, really. Um, and, uh, but all the way to professional dodgeball players, which, yes, you know, that's definitely um, a thing. <laughs> do, you, do you segment yeah. your channels, uh, such as Instagram and YouTube, by those groups? Yeah, so segmentation has become, as we've gotten bigger and a little bit more sophisticated, and at least I'd like to think, um, <laughs> we've started to do a lot more segmented marketing. Um, and it seems like you can, it's, it's like, just as you nail one platform, the next one pops up that you've got to learn, like TikTok. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we do, we do do a lot of segmentation, and, and it's not necessarily by age always. Um, so we've recently launched memberships. Um, and so we're, we're, we're gaining a pretty big membership base across all of our parks. And so, you know, we have very targeted communication that goes just to our members. And we obviously know a lot about those members and who they are and who's buying these memberships and what's important to them and why they're buying memberships and what offers they want to see as, as being a member that's going to entice them to want to continue to come back. Um, so, so we're not, we're not just segmenting based on, you know, a teenager or a toddler. Um, you know, one thing's for sure is we're talking to mom a lot. Hmm. Um, uh, mom's a, a big decision maker. Um, and so, you know, we're definitely talking to mom in a lot of our communication. Um, but we're, we're also, you know, we want to be cool. We want to be relevant. Um, we want to be to a degree edgy and, and sort of up with the latest trends and, and, you know, one of the things we just did from a branding perspective is we kind of just refreshed our creative. We talked about this a little bit earlier and um, we brought in a lot of pattern, you know, and some softer colors. Uh, and at first when I saw it, it kind of felt kitty to me. But if you go out and, and look in the world today, especially in fashion, this is what is on trend right now. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about fashion for, for six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds. I'm talking about fashion for teenagers, you know, uh, people in their early 20s. Um, I mean, it, it is what is considered, you know, cool, if you will. Uh, so we're, we're constantly talking to different audiences and figuring out a way uh, to target messaging. But at the end of the day, mom is one of our biggest customers. 
Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and then and then the kids need to need to find that their experience with the brand is hip as well. And then they grow they grow out of mom being a decision maker. And so you're kind of like you know readying yourself for the entire customer customer journey, which is which is very smart. So the big question is: Do do members get special member socks? <laughs> ah, that's a. That, it, it's funny you said that because uh, that is something we're actually working on. There you um, go. We, we we wanted it to you know we have a, a concept of um, uh, potentially you know giving them different socks uh, and those socks based on visit history and such, kind of like belts in karate. Yeah, um, yeah, badge of they, honor, they would right? Earn, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Super cool, super cool. Let's yeah. talk about. Um, uh, we, we talked about dodgeball for a second. I just mentioned it, but let's talk about the Sky Zone Ultimate Dodgeball Championship um, yeah. because because it's an easy to poke fun at sport, right? Because most you know yep. most know it as a kids game, but you did something quite amazing by creating this league and having it air on ESPN two, and I think it earned like something ridiculous, like over two hundred million media impressions. How yep. how did that brand extension um, of sorts come about? Oh, you know, I, I've got to give my, uh, my, my father credit really there. Um, you know, he, he was always very passionate about doing something involving sports with our brand. And, you know, originally, as I mentioned that the whole concept started out as it was going to be a sport played on trampolines and that game was actually called sky zone and it was a crazy game, but it, it, that never really took off. But what people did love to do was play dodgeball on trampolines. And hmm. so he really wanted to legitimize that. And, and so many, many years ago, he sort of, he had this dream and wish to just make a real concerted effort to try and make dodgeball something big. And so we started out doing tournaments at all of our locations and tournaments were popular. And then we said, wow, what if we make those tournaments, you know, regionally based and then the regional based tournament, there's a winner. And then what if the regional tournament winner gets to play into a national tournament and then everybody flies to Vegas, but then how are we going to convince people to fly to Vegas to play for this national tournament? We, we actually used to do it in Torrance many, many years ago, oh. but we started doing it in Vegas recently. And then we threw cash prizes on it and, um, you know, uh, people then really wanted to come cause there was a big cash prize and, and it gained a huge following. And, Somebody here internally in our team ran the whole thing, did a great job with it, started getting sponsors involved. And the next thing you know, ESPN2 wants to, you know, they, they kind of want to show profile of it. And uh, it, it's, it's really fun content. And so it started getting a lot of hits on YouTube. And it just organically sort of happened. Um, and uh, it was sort of this total, you know, talking about segments, it's, it was this total sub-segment of our business that, that really was never about how much revenue can we generate from this. It was more fun and a different angle on our brand. And it was about sport and competition and, and a super, super passionate group of, of players that helped grow this sport organically. Um, it, was, it, was, it was kind of fascinating the way it all happened. Yeah, and it's so great because it kind of it kind of you know reminds you of of the roots of the company, right? So as you start totally. spreading into all these different directions, there's still this core, um, which is which is really neat. Um, so you know you use the word organically a lot, and um, and you know in, in a way I'm sure a lot of it spread organically, but I think it's also because you're you're most probably humble about it. Um, I I think you've got a pretty good idea of how to how to grow how to grow a brand. Um, what is what is an advice for that that you would have for for a young company that uh, that you know that that wants to that maybe has one or two locations and they want to turn into a franchise and you, you know like how would you how would you spread the word and find brand growth? 
um, to follow your lead. What are some of the things that you feel like made you successful in the beginning um, that, that, that might be, you know, that might be something that, that people might be able to replicate in a totally different industry? Well, I think, you know, one thing that's really important, and um, if I was starting from scratch today, uh, something I would do from day one that I think it wasn't until we were maybe four years in or so that we did this, but it's, it's hire a brand consultant and create what, you know, many people in the industry refer to as a brand book. You know, what, what truly is your brand? What is the identity? What are your core values? Do you have a vision statement, which I don't think you need to have a vision statement, but if you do define it, you don't have to have a mission or purpose statement, but if you do define it, um, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it not? You know, that's important. Who's the customer? Um, you know, what's important to that customer? How is your brand speaking to that customer? But really define what your brand is. And, you know, I, I, we did that for the very first time. Um, God, I want, I want to say it was, it was maybe five years after we launched. Might have been five, might have been six. I don't know. But it was, it was not at first. I can tell yeah, you that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there's no question that I would do that from day one now. And because what that does is it aligns people around an idea. And um, your brand is your identity and it's, it's how the world will perceive you. And it's important that the people that are you know, running the business, if you will, or will be getting involved in the business, understand what that idea is and, and make sure that they're communicating the same thing. Because brand is not just about the colors on your website or the way your brick and mortar location looks like or you know, how you, your tone of voice, but it's, your brand is also the people that work for you and how they represent themselves. And so um, I think having that book is sort of that unifying document that says, you know, here's who we are, here's what we're about, here's what we're trying to achieve, here's what's important to us, here's the customers that we're trying to attract. And you gotta be aligned around that from day one. You don't have I, to be, but I'd recommend you be. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm so I'm so glad that you say that. I mean, that's that's literally what I do for a living is uh, come in with early stage um, startup founders. Um, usually, you know, they, they they have they have funding, you know, one way or the other. Uh, some of them already kind of like did a beta product for a year or so, and then I come in and I do exactly what you're talking about, and I re refuse to work with them if I don't get an entire day with the core team. Like if it's you know with the founder, co-founder, any VP level, like you know maximum. Eight people, um, but minimum the founders, um, because if it be, if it is being derived from within, and if everyone is working on it together, um, like you said, so much happens, right? It, you know, in, it builds internal culture, it builds that whatever north star, whatever it is, right? Like that big idea, um, and you know, you, you said, well, you know, I mean, there's colors and there's all of that stuff too, and and you're right, it is kind of secondary when you build a brand, but also after that, after that, um, you know, after that, you call it a book, we actually do it in one long page. It's like it's like it, it's actually like a six foot poster of like here's the brand, um, which we like because it's a, you know, one page is easier as a PDF for people to quickly scan through than a book. Um, but that idea that it's written down and it's in front of you, if you then work on the brand, you can always go back to it and say, look, it doesn't matter if you like, if you like orange or if you like blue, would our customer like orange and blue? Does it go back to who we want to be and how we want to be seen? So um, not, not needing to repeat anything that you already said, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it from you. And I'm glad that you say that now looking back, you would actually, you, you would do it earlier on and that you recommend people to do it early on. Um, 
because a lot yeah. of a lot of startup founders who don't understand the idea of branding, um, you know that it's that it's something much bigger. They they feel like branding is the last thing they should focus on, right? It's product, product, right. product, and that's how people fail because. You know, it, you you can add ten more features to your product. Uh, speaking tech talk, right? <laughs> you know, whatever it is, like like you know, uh, additions to your service. If no one cares about it, <laughs> you know, and if no one if no one sees it as being attractive, then you have nothing, right? So it's kind of like, um, you know, and so so yeah, I, I could go off on, on tangents about that, but but since we already talk about it. After everything you've been through with Skyzone, um, you know, creating creating this you know conglomerate of of, of locations and uh, and being a leader in that industry, um, what does branding mean to you today? Yeah, I, I, I you know, fortunately, I think the same thing it did before, which is it's to me it's how a customer feels when they hear or see or interact with your brand. It's what is sort of the emotion, the response that, that you get from them. Um, I don't think our brand is about what I say it is. I think it's, it's about, you know, what is somebody else? Because, you know, I, I might have a perception of what it is, but doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're articulating that well as a brand or communicating that well as a brand. So, you know, I think it's about what, what is your, what is your customer see, feel, believe what comes to mind when, when they experience or interact with your brand. And I, I think, Brands that do it really well, I think. I think we do this well, but we can definitely always improve. Is is that experience or feeling is consistent across? You know, they use that term omni-channel, but it's just across platforms. So whether you're interacting on social, whether you're interacting on the web, whether you're interacting by picking up the phone and you're calling and you're talking about booking a party or you're trying to get information, or when you're actually physically inside the location itself, I think that's the hardest thing for brands is is consistency across channels. You might do social media really well, but then when someone comes in store, it's a terrible experience. Mm -hmm. Or or the way your your online presence looks is very different than the way the physical store looks. Uh, or you might have this brand that's super fun and engaging and exciting, and and but the team inside the park is not that way at all and ruins you. So, you know, how do you have consistency across all those channels to me is, it's, that's brand. Absolutely, and it's already it's already so difficult to have consistency across uh, locations. Just that people feel the same thing and agree to the same way, and it's the same vibe. But then, then across channels is a totally different story. That's I always I always feel like it's fascinating to me how restaurant chains or or hotels um, how they either nail it or they totally can't get it together <laughs> because that's yeah. I mean that that is that is such a multi um, you know national um, uh, you know uh, kind of kind of experience. Um, there, there's one. One, there's one um, restaurant chain you might know them. They're, they're called the Hillstone Group. Um, they, they've, yeah. got, they've got Houston's and I, all of I, that. <laughs> I ate at R and D last night, which is oh, a Hillstone uh, restaurant. Well, there you go. Perfect. The one in yeah. uh, in Brentwood, Santa Monica, up there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I am I am obsessed with that brand um, because they give you a, a fairly you know upscale experience for you know not really upscale prices, and regardless of where you go, it is so consistent the service and the way that you treat it and the way that you feel, and especially when you go to the Hillstones and Houston's, the, the way you kind of like fall into this brand and it's like. It's 
it's like dark, it's quiet, it's super professional, you're attended to. Um, it's just, to me, it is so fascinating and, and people think it's silly because it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's Houston's, it's a, it's a steak, you know, whatever, you know, kind of chain, you know, just American right. restaurant. Um, but, but, but that to me is always um, fascinating because I know how difficult it is to, to, to pull that off. Um, Talking about difficulties, uh, brand difficulties. Uh, I know we talked a lot about what what Skyzone um, is doing is doing right and has been doing right. But uh, you know, you're, you're doing your entire history of growing that brand. Was there a ginormous brand fail that you went through where where something totally went the wrong way, where you thought your customers would would act a certain way and then they acted totally differently, or where you jumped onto some you know hip bandwagon and then afterwards you realized it's just a fad and you should have never done that. Um, anything negative <laughs> that you want to share so people can people can learn from it um you know nothing that i would say overly negative i will say that at one point we 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 started you know pivoting our creative a little bit to go a bit edgier a bit sportier um you know we kind of use some some darker images and coloring and uh and i not a skater feel but but almost like that in a way. And mm -hmm. I think, um, I think we took it a bit far, frankly, and, and it, this didn't really come from research or anything, but I think, I think we took it a bit far and, and we had to kind of tone it down a little bit because what I think we became was a little less inviting to the masses. You know, it, it, it's almost as if you saw our marketing yeah. or creative, you would have said, this feels like sport to me yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and not entertainment. And so, um, you know, and there's, there's, there's still some elements of our brand that, that feel that way, but you know, we've, we've started to kind of tone that down a little bit. And that's where you've seen some of the creative refresh on our website, for example, where, you know, we're, we're now being a little more colorful, a little more pattern oriented. Um, and, and really what's at the core of all of that is being playful. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to be about. We want to be playful as a brand, um, in the way we communicate and the way we look and feel. Uh, you know, we are we are all about play, and our brand should be playful. Look at him, serious. Yeah, and, and it, exactly, and it makes so much sense, right? Because in the end, even even the even uh, if you're on the height of your of your of your game and you're actually in the league, um, it, it's still playful. You're still enjoying it. It's still a game, right? And for everyone else, um, you know, it's aspirational. If there's a little bit of that, you know, kind of competitive tone to the brand or a little bit of that athletic tone to the brand, but you must probably went into the athletic, um, you know, uh, tonality so much that uh, that the other the other customers um we're, we're left a little bit uh behind which now with your refresh and, and looking at the way that you you look at the the segmentations um obviously it's it's a much it's a much bigger exercise to find that perfect in between and, uh, and having that guiding guiding um you know word that guiding idea um behind it and and that's and that's actually my next question you know what what is one word that can describe your brand overall which i call your brand dna is it actually playful yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we, we are all about promoting play. Uh, and, and so, you know, we want to be playful in, in everything we do. And, you know, you, you could use a lot of different words and you could say it's about fun and, and freedom and activity and adventure. And, but at the end of the day, um, you know, who, who does not like to play? And if we could just be playful all day long, I don't care if you're young or old, uh, you're going to be happy. Um, and you know, I've got a, a, a 16 month old now, my first, and 
you know, all day long, this kid just runs around. He just wants to play <laughs> and he's so happy. And I just think like, what if I could live like that? <laughs> you know, how, much, how much happier would the world be if we could all just be like a 16 year old, totally present in the moment, only caring about what's right in front of them. Um, you know, I realize it's not realistic, but how nice would it be? Uh, I think your brand is going to change a lot in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's going to play. Yeah, no, it's and and look, I mean, you know, when you when you mentioned it could be a lot of words, um, I, I I think that actually defining that one word, um, you know, it, it is very pe peculiar, right? It's it, it's particular. It's like there's no there, there's nothing else that can say playful the way playful can say it, right? I mean, freedom and you know all that other, all these other words they they contour very different images. So I think playful, um, having that as the guiding light is, 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 is you know, it's, it's different. I think it's important um, to, to have that down because I think uh, everyone internally needs to, needs, to, needs to feel like, yeah, that's, that's our brand. And everyone externally will sooner or later feel that. Um, what's, what's next for Skyzone? What's, what's, what's in the future? What can you talk about that is not, um, you know, uh, too, too uh, secretive? Um, you know, more growth. More toys, more attractions. Um, I think the one that we're really super excited about right now that uh, we're just starting to roll out is we're incorporating a lot of um, slides into our locations, mm. and and these aren't just normal slides. Um, these are these are a new spin on on slides, and so um, everyone hears slides and you think, oh, that sounds really fun. I do them at the park, but what's so great about a slide? Uh, you know, these are going to be totally different, um, and, and really big, you know, I'm talking 15, hmm. 20, 25 feet, uh, and, and they've got a, a, a surface on them that puts you at a totally different speed than if you were just going down a normal slide and you're going to fly off them. Of course, you know, you're not going to just right, right, drop right, down, right. but, but you, you actually get launched off these slides wow. and, uh, have to land into an airbag. So that's an attraction that we're really uh, excited about pumping out here um, very soon. And there's a lot we're doing in the tech space. Um, I, th I think that uh, a year from now, you'll, you'll see our parks being pretty tech enabled that will be an enhancement to the guest experience. Um, and then, uh, you know, a lot of international growth, um, getting into new countries and uh, uh, seeing further expansion that way. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, talking about expansions, um, I have uh, listeners from all, all across the world. I I think there there are a few there are a few countries where I don't have listeners, um, but it's a very international uh, podcast. The majority is still in the U.S. I think about forty eight percent, and then it's all across the world. Listeners who want to get into the Sky Zone, um, where 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 can they find you? Uh, Skyzone.com. Uh, easy as that. <laughs> our website has uh, got all of our locations listed, and uh, uh, that's that's the best place. How many countries are you in right now? Oh, we are in twelve countries. Oh wow! Um, okay, okay. Twelve countries, and uh, and hopefully expanding. We're we're very focused on uh, Japan. Hopefully, being the next country uh, uh, we launch. Great! Very very cool. Well. 
Listen, Chef, I, I hope uh, that the craziness with the coronavirus is not going to affect you too much in, 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 in what you do and how you expand. Um, it's kind of affecting everyone right now. But I I, yeah. I really, really um, you know, wish you the best. Um, we got some amazing insights um, out of you today. I, I love your story. Thank you for taking uh, time in your busy schedule to, uh, to, to, to share this with, uh, with myself and my listeners. Appreciate having me on and uh, hope to chat soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks so much. When you hear that excitement in Jeff on one of my last questions about what's next with his brand and his answer to it, and then you think about how the world has so quickly changed around us, it is just heartbreaking. I want to thank you for your listenership. And instead of asking you to support the show, I am flipping it around and I want to support you with your new realities that you are facing as a brand. Go to patreon.com slash hitting the mark and sign up to be a part of my mentorship group calls. Once your payment goes through on April 1st and May 1st, I will credit you back in full the day after. And I will also let you know once this free period is over, which is currently running to at least June 1st. So take advantage of that and I will talk to you very soon. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.